15, uh, thank you for the privilege of being here. Let's stand in reverence to the reading of the Word of God. The prodigal has went to the world, he has come home. The father and the servants are happy and joyful about it. But there's one person that's got a problem with it, and it's the elder brother. And he has got what I like to call EBS, the elder brother syndrome. The jealous, envious, competitive elder brother. And we'll pick our reading up in verse number 28. The Bible said he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out, came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgress I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou was killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. I tell my son that a lot, but uh, it comes with a disclaimer. You can get anything I got anytime you want it, but you better put it back where you found it. Say amen right there. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad for this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Fathers, I bow in your presence. I thank thee, O righteous God, for the privilege to read the word of God and preach the word of God and exercise the gift and the call of God in my life. Lord, we need your help this morning. Lord, we need your touch. We've got a lot going on today. And I pray for a few short moments. God, you'd fill me and anoint me with the power of God. Bless Brother Will, Sister Amanda, all the children of this wonderful church. Fill them with the Spirit of God. I pray those that are lost in our midst this morning would get saved in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. I'm interested where this older brother has uh, gone to talk to his father. And he said, yet never gavest thou me a kid. And you have given my brother a cat. It's interesting to me that we have got the same mentality at times. That we have got a God that owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And we're going to look at one type that God gave to one sinner that came home and get jealous about. This elder brother has got tunnel vision to say the least. This elder brother has got his eyes on the calf instead of the father, instead of the farm, instead of the family. And for just a few moments this morning, I want to preach on this simple subject. Don't trade the farm for a calf. I mean, when you got it all and you're willing to throw it away for one cow, something's wrong with you. We could uh, argue uh, about the younger brother. Well, he threw it all away for the world. Well, that's bad. And this younger, older brother's wanting to throw it all away for a calf. That's just as bad, I guess. I mean, he's not going after a harlot. He's not going to get drunk. He's not going to throw a party, but he's going to throw it away for one calf and when he could have went out there at any time he wanted to and got a calf. Now there are 
four truths I'd like to emphasize in this text. And, and I love this phrase uh, on our way to the message when he said, All that I have is thine. And God would look at us and say the same thing. If you're a child of God, you've got all the forgiveness uh, uh, that belongs to God. You've got all the family. You've got all the future. You've got every bit of it. And as the children of God, we have got it all this morning. Amen to God. I know we're not there yet, but we are blessed with an inheritance. We are blessed as the children of God, and God has blessed us with all of it. I mean, when I, when, I, when I survey, when I just take a moment to survey, the difference between being saved and the difference between being lost, and I look at what the world offers, and I look at what God offers, I call myself a fool for waiting so long to get saved. If I would have known how good it is to really be born again, I would have junked my false profession. I would have junked my baptism. I would have junked my church membership. And I would have got saved a whole lot sooner than what I did. But unfortunately, there are those of us that have to learn some lessons the hard way. And uh, God help us, number one this morning, if he would have traded the farm for a calf, look at the life he would have had to have lived. Look at what kind of life would have been his. May we study the younger brother just for a moment and compare them. It would have been a wicked life. It would have been a godless life. It would have been, it would have been a life without God. I, I, I appreciate the good hotel room, so don't tell, take what I'm fixing to say personal, but I hate hotels, okay? I just can't stand them, all right? That's me, amen? And, uh, uh, and on Sunday morning especially, I, I get up and I'll go to where they're serving the coffee and they're serving breakfast, and, and I see so many people that partied on Saturday night. And I see so, and every time I see that group, group of people and when I go to church and I have to go by the flea market to get there and I see all those people that are not going to church and, and I have to drive by the lake to go to church and I see the people putting the boat on the lake all oh, the thought comes to my mind why in the world do you want to live such a godless life I like having God in my life don't you I, I really do. I, I love it. I, I appreciate the good singing this morning, the song on the love of God and how wonderful it is and how that God loves us. Oh, but the song on prayer. Boy, I, the, the dear sister sang that song on prayer. How it touched my heart this morning. I, I, loved, uh, I, I love knowing that I can call on God. I love knowing that I can read my Bible and get help. I, I love having God in my life. It is not an inconvenience for me to have God in my life. I, Matter of fact, it is quite wonderful. It's a blessing. It's glorious. Amen. To have the Holy Spirit living on the inside. It's glorious when He comforts me. It's glorious when He blesses me. It's glorious when He helps me. And I even thank God for the times when He convicts me and lets me know that I ain't right. I like having God in my life. This 
younger brother. He's away from home. He's out in the world. He's living a godless life. He's living, uh, living it up with the alcohol and the drugs. He's living it up with the harlots, the, the fornication, the adultery, the pornography. You name it. He's living it up in all that mess. And it is a godless life. Neighbor, I tell you what a godless life is going to do for you. It's going to take you to hell up without God. And you're going to burn for an eternity. And you're going to wish to God you'd have had him in your life. You're going to wish you'd opened up your heart. You're going to wish you'd have repented of your sins. You're going to wish that you'd have got right with God. It was a godless life, man. It was a wicked life. It was a wasted life. What a life without God. What a wasted life. What, what to, to, to live your whole life. To live every second of your life and to die and go to hell. What a wasted life. I was talking to Brother Brown in the restroom this morning, Brother David. Brother David just started testifying to me a little bit in the bathroom. <laughs> it don't matter if you're in the bathroom or in the church, there ain't no bad place to testify. I say amen right there. You know what he told me? He said, I've had a good life. God's been good to me, Brother John. I've had a good life. And, and, and may I say it like this, just as honest as I know how, since December the 31st, 1995, I have had a good life. You're going to waste your life and go to hell. I'm preaching to somebody this morning. You're going to waste your life and go to hell without God. Knowing you could have went to heaven, it would have been a wasted life. Amen, life. Go ahead, sell out for a calf. Sell out for the world. In your latter days. In your latter days, you'll, you'll say, I've wasted my life. It's a wasted life. Waste your substance. Waste your health. Waste your testimony. Everything this younger brother wasted was given to him. He didn't, I don't guess, necessarily have to work for a certain payday. I never have understood this, why that father would give. Both, both of them received their inheritance at the same time while daddy was still living. I wouldn't do that. My children's going to have to wait until I'm dead to get what I got. Amen. That's exactly right. I mean, I love them and everything and all, but uh, and uh, I'm going to make them work. I'm going to make them appreciate what they got. When you've been given things as a young person. You, God gave you a mama that brought you to church. God gave you a daddy with a testimony. God gave you, gave you a pastor that loves God, loves the word of God. God gave you a pastor's wife and God's giving you a Bible and God's giving you chance after chance after chance and God has given you all these good graces in your life and you're going to throw it away? Quit wasting your life. It's a gift. Don't you throw the grace of God away. Saved but never doing anything with the gift of God. It was a gracious life. Don't waste it. It would have been a wandering life. This, uh, this elder brother would have been just like the younger brother. And that younger brother's out there in the world. He's got no direction. Just going from here to there. That's what I like about being saved. God gives direction. How many of you really appreciate the Holy Spirit leading you? And guiding you? And teaching you? And helping you. And anointing you. It's, it's a directed life. It would have been a life of no direction. It would have been a life of no perfection. No growth. No maturity. I want to know more about God. I do. My, my, you know my nature. 
You know me well enough that I wish we were swinging from the chandeliers this morning. But the Holy Ghost has slowed me down so you can hear what needs to be said this morning. And it took me 25 years or better to learn that lesson that sometimes I've got to follow God in His leadership. And I hope that I'm a better preacher today than I was last time you heard me. I hope that I've matured. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better dad. I want to be a better friend, a better brother. Uh, all the above, but we got to grow. But if you're out there and you ain't growing, do you know more about your Bible today than you did yesterday? God help us. It's been a life of no perfection, no direction, but a life without any kind of protection. I mean, at home, he had a guarded life. Do you realize in church membership, there's protection? Do you realize in your home, young people, there's protection? Ma'am, do you realize that, that in the confines of your home, there is protection? Now, last year about this time, I really, and may I, I'm just going to testify for a minute, I really got serious about seeking God, especially on the subject of the home. And I asked God to give me some wisdom. And one of the things the Lord showed me, I, I'm, not, I'm not talking about these little 30, 30 second lay me down to sleep prayers I, I, I really wanted I needed some help from God and I needed some answers from God and I, 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 just, I just shut everything out for about a week and I just spent I just stayed in my secret place and I'd ask God speak Lord I need to know and the Holy Spirit said your home should never be a prison being at home should never be punishment for the children the home ought to be a place of peace and a place of joy. Yes, there'll be times of discipline in the home. There'll be times when you want to leave children and you feel like you can do better somewhere else, but that's not God's answer. That's not God's way. Home ought to be paradise. Home should never be a prison. We ought to have our homes set up spiritually. And, uh, and, and mentally in every aspect to where our children love being at home. Home life ain't always fun, but it's good. My wife has told me, she said, I know how I'm going to keep my children coming back home when they grow up get married. I said, how's that? She says, I'm going to cook every chance I get. I'm going to make sure there's food on the table. Every Sunday they're going to know if they want something to eat, mama's got food on the table. I love it. I love being able to sit down with my family and have family devotions. Well, it's wonderful, isn't it? Our devotions, I don't, I don't know if we've ever had a serious one. You, I mean, somebody's going to goof off. Somebody's going to do something. And that don't bother me because we're together. The home. It's, it, look what kind of life you're going to live if you just get out, it's a, it's a, it's a wasted life. It's a, it's a wandering life. No direction. It's a wanting life. Uh, now, don't you raise your hand. There's somebody in here this morning. You need God. You need Him bad. But in your heart, don't you ever just, while you're standing on the outside looking in, does a thought ever come to you, I wish I had it like they did. Maybe when you're not in church like you should be, you're not living like you should be. 
and you're doing things wrong and you know better, but because you lost, you keep on doing it, keep on doing it. And uh, does the thought ever come to you? I wish I could just do better. I wish, I wish, uh, I, 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 you, maybe you see Pastor Will and the joy that he's got, or Brother Mike and the joy that he's got in his heart. And you look at these men and you look at these women that love God and you say, man, I wish I had what they had. You can have it. You can have it. You don't have to leave this building lost. Brother Will spoke to me and said, we got some he's going to baptize today. Bless the Lord. Bless his holy name for those that have repented of their sins and put their faith in Christ, but still more need to be saved. Look at the life he would have lived. It would have have been a wishful life. That younger brother was in the pig pen. (laughs) I can't stand it. I like to eat pigs, but I can't stand to smell them while they're living. Say amen right there. Here he is. He's a Jew boy in a pig pen feeding animals. He ain't got no business eating. Somebody say you're glad you ain't a Jew because we can eat pork. Say amen right there. And uh, he's just out of, out of, out of, out of sorts, out of, out of place. Notice number two this morning, the look that he had, the perspective that he has in this present tense time of his life. You trade the farm for a calf, it's because you got tunnel vision. He had his eyes on his brother instead of his father. I know I said this this week in meeting, but I want to say it for those of you that were not here. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Why in the world should I look unto him? Several good reasons. He's the Savior, amen to God. He's wonderful. He's glorious. He's the Lamb of God. But neighbor, the next verse, and I, I, I read it in my, I wrote it down. I want to, I want to read this quote as, as close as possible because Brother Wares was right there next to it during Sunday school. But the reason that we should look to him is because he was looking to us. Who for the joy that was set before him. That joy was me and you, neighbor, and we were set right there before him. My precious bride came to me the other day, and I wrote it in my Bible. She quoted me that verse, and she said, John, he did it for the joy. (laughs) Do it for the joy. Who's the joy that was set before him? We were his joy. He's our joy. Amen. Amen. Notice the look. He's got his eyes on his brother. He's got his eyes on his brother's sin. He's got his eyes on himself. He he tells the father, I never transgressed thy commandments. I never sinned against thee. I've worked. And he's got his eyes all on himself. He's so self-centered. He's so selfish that he can't see the big picture for staring in the mirror all the time. Nolan, I was over to Allen's this morning, and Nolan come walking through the house, and he had a comb. I said, what's that? He said, oh, it's the comb. Me and my daddy, we, we, this is the community comb, I guess. Me and daddy share that comb. Oh, okay. And uh, the old comb, you remember the days, you don't see it much anymore, but when I was a boy, men would walk around with a comb in their pocket. Y'all remember that? 
they'd get up in the morning, go to the kitchen and get lard and put it in their hair and grease their hair back. I mean, really, they would. I got one. I'll never forget, I was a little boy, and I thought, well, they were, and it's a joke. They used oil, but, you know, the joke was, but you got enough lard in your hair because they had oil. They didn't use hairspray. You was effeminate if you used hairspray back then, but you'd use all the oil you wanted to. I'll never forget one morning I woke up, and they was talking about lard, and I thought they was being for real. I went and got my handful of lard, and I, I rubbed it all in my hair, and I slicked it back. And Mom and Mama, they what in the world are you doing, boy? What you got in your hair? Well, I put lard in it like y'all all time talking about. Oh, we were just choking, baby. But I don't know why I'm telling that. But anyways, uh, you still you'd see these boy they carry the combs. Y'all remember back in the early '80s, the, the, these pretty boys they carry the combs. They'd pull it out and start combing their hair right there in front of y'all. Remember that? Some of y'all don't remember that. And, and uh, boy, and, and then if there's a really Pretty boy, they'd pull a brush out. <laughs> yeah, did y'all ever have that? Dear, dear? Oh man, we had a boy. They'd carry them, and they'd have them combs with the handles and the brushes. They'd pull them out, boy. And they thought they were something. Well, that's what's going on with this elder brother. He thinks he's something. He thinks that he is a 32-ounce slushy and an order of fries to go along with it. He thinks he is the gift of the farm. He is so stuck on himself that he can't see the need of the brother. He can't see the heart of the father. He can't see the need of the farm. He ain't looking at Calvary. He ain't looking at the blood. All he's doing is looking at himself. And that's your problem, sinner. All you do is see you. You don't see nobody else. You don't see your mama. He, he's, he's got his eyes on himself. He's got his eyes on his service. Look at how many years I've served you, daddy. He's full of pride. He's looking for recognition. I hate that. I cannot, I cannot, I cannot stand people that demand recognition. I preached in a church years ago in South Georgia, and I preached there on an annual basis. And I went in one day, and the song leader wasn't there anymore. I looked to the pastor, and I said, Pastor, is your song leader sick? Is he on vacation? He said, No, Brother Johnny left me. I said, How come? Well, he came to me. And he told me that he felt like he needed to sit on the platform every service during the preaching, that he needed a whole lot more recognition than what he was getting. And I said, and you didn't give it to him, did you? He said, nope, and he's not here and he ain't coming back. I said, good for you, Pastor. I hate to see people leave, but... With that kind of attitude, we will get up and get the door and walk you out ourselves. Amen. Diotrephes ain't never helped nobody. And you're looking for a pat on the back. Oh, but I had things go on in my life. Don't get offended at what I'm saying, but you ain't the only one. You got more going on in your life than Jesus did when he was dying on the cross? You got more going on in your life than God the Father did as he watched his son carry that cross through the streets and then had to turn his back on him? 
You got more going on than what Mary, the mother of Jesus, had going on in her heart when she watched her son die on the cross. He's looking for recognition. He's he's looking for a reward that he's already got. (laughs) I mean, how blind. This has been on me for several months now, Brother Will, but how blind do we get sometimes? Brother Ware, and that wonderful Sunday school lesson this morning, quoted, read, uh, read, uh, read Peter when he said that, 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 that if you don't add to your faith virtue, knowledge and temperance and all that, he said you're blind and you can't see afar off and you have forgotten that you was purged from your sins. If that wasn't in the Bible, I wouldn't believe it. I'm serious. I don't see how in the world you could ever forget. But this guy, he's so blind, he can't see how good he's got it. Sinner, open your eyes up for a minute. Would, could you take a look at Calvary just for a moment? At, at the nails and the crown of thorns and the, the, the flesh beat off his back and the beard ripped out of his face and, and that cussing crowd cussing him and mocking him and making fun of him. And his caring nature, so caring and so concerned for other people, on his way to the cross, on his way to Golgotha, on his way to the place of the skull, as he carried that cross, he stops just for a brief moment and tells the daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and weep for your children. He was more concerned about others than he was himself. The voluntary, unselfish act of Jesus, our Savior, dying on the cross for me and you. Wow. And this boy, take a, take a good look at, at the love of God, at the death. Take a good look at the burial. Take a good look at the resurrection. Santa friend, I want you to take a good look at heaven this morning. Oh, the glory that awaits us. Our good friend, Brother Terry Pace, made the crossing this past week. And I wonder how it's going with him and Brother Sammy and Brother Stennett and Brother Mary and these men of God that's already gone on. I wonder how that glad reunion day. I wonder how it is. I wonder how it is for him and I wonder how it's going to be for us when we wake up in heaven and we say, oh, it wasn't a dream. It wasn't a fairy tale. It wasn't a lie. I knew it. It was real. It is real. Get your eyes on heaven. I feel God talking about it, don't you? Look at it, sinner friend. Look at it. Look at the street of gold, the gates of pearl, the walls of jasper. Look at the river coming out from under the throne of God. Would you look at the main attraction in heaven, Jesus Christ the righteous. Listen, listen a million years from now. A million years from now. Don't let this get on you too good because we won't catch you till you get to Calhoun. A million years from now, Brother Will. One million years from now, me and you and you and you and everybody else in this building that's saved, we're going to be worshiping God in heaven. (laughs) Amen. Amen. That make a Presbyterian kick the back end of the choir robe out and a bunch of us bad to sit here and like a like a like old collage in a wooden engine. Amen. And don't even move. Sinner, I want you to look at it. Now I want you to take a good look. You die without God. I want you to look over in the pits of hell this morning. <laughs> 
I want you to listen to the screams of the God rejectors, the screams of the damned, the screams of the doomed. I want you to look at the people just like I believe they were trying to call their way into the ark. If we could find the ark, I promise you there'd be fingernails in it from where people tried to call their way in. I promise you, you'd find the ark, you'd find the, the, the call marks in the side of it where the people were trying to get in, but they couldn't get in. You go to the charred walls of the regions of the damned and you'll see where they're trying. They're best to climb out of hell, but they're pinned down. And they can't get out. And the whole time you're burning in hell, you know what's going to be going through your mind? I am such a fool to have came here. Why did I not listen to preaching? Why did I not repent? Why did I not? I could have had it all. But I rejected it. Oh, he's looking for a reward. He's already got It's there for you. Jesus paid for your sin. And these bunch of devils that say Jesus didn't pay for the sins of the people that went to hell. Oh, one of the best illustrations is in the book of Ruth. Boaz paid for both of those boys' wives. Both of them. And you die without God and go to hell. You'll step over a price that has been paid for your soul. You'll reject it. You need to be saved and you know it. He had been next to this morning listening to the wrong news. He listened. He said, how, how in the world did he know about his brother's sins in that far country? He had his ears plugged into the wrong direction. I mean, I know there's going to be cases when we need to know, when we need to know what's going on. That old boy out there and that, that younger brother's out there, and he knew when he got right with God, he knew when he came home his daddy had an option of having him killed. He knew he could have took him to the elders of the gate of the city and had him stoned lawfully and rightfully so and not been a murderer in doing it. He could have took him up there. This is a problem, child. We need him gone. Buddy, some of you better thank God you ain't living in the Old Testament. You'd have never made it past the age of six years old. And that boy knew it. This is real King James Bible repentance. He said in his mind, said in his heart, you know what, I'm going home. Daddy can kiss me or kill me. I'm heading to the house. And he came home knew and knowing that he could have been killed. But he took a chance and submitted to his daddy knowing he could have killed him. But rather his daddy didn't kill him, he kissed him. What are you scared of getting saved for? What are you scared of getting right for? You're going to have to deal with that judgment part. You're going to have to deal with that I've seen. And a lot of times we spend so much time on emphasizing what you've done, what you've done, what you've done, what you've done. But neighbor, and that's important. It's got to be dealt with. But something that's just as or more important is you not only need to know what you've done, you need to know who you are. You're a sinner dying without God and going to hell. He's got, his, he's got his ear pinned to the, like the, like the, like the old timers used to do it. And we used to do it uh, when I was a boy. We'd go jump off the railroad tracks into the lake over the train trusses. We'd have fun doing it. We'd put pennies. 
We put pennies on the tracks and let the trains run over and they'd flatten our pennies. Anybody ever done that? We, we used to we used to do that. And uh, but we'd put our ear down to the train track and you could hear it. You could hear it coming a long way off. You could feel the vibration before you ever heard the whistle blow or ever heard the engines revving. You could do it. And you've got your ears so tuned into this world that the preacher's screaming to the top of his lungs. The Holy Ghost is pounding you and, and you ain't even listening. and You don't even want to hear what God's got to say. There's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. Get your ears off of this world system. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't listen to any more of the worldly entertainers, and I don't like looking to the worldly entertainers. I like hearing good news from a far country. It's cold waters, amen. Proverbs 25, 25. It's cold waters are to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. Listening to the bad news, he's He's, he would have lived a life of loss. Look at what he would have missed out on. He'd have missed out on the wealth of the Father. All oh, the warmth of fellowship. He'd have missed out on worship that comes from forgiveness. He was not going in to that, to that celebration time, that, that worship time. He wasn't going in. He would have missed out on forgiveness. He'd have missed out on the faithful servants. He, this elder brother makes statements like this. Well, I just don't feel welcome in here. That's your fault, Hoss. It ain't nobody else's. I, that, that was all introduction. Brother, if you want to come to the piano, here's my four-point message. Four points. I'm going to give it to you in two minutes. Don't trade the farm for the calf in your marriage. Don't throw it away. Do not. Do not throw it away. Don't trade the farm for a calf in your mind. This boy had a thinking problem. Don't throw it away. You can play whenever you're ready, Brother Softly, please. Brother Will, you pray for me, and I'll pray for you on this next one. Don't trade the farm for a calf in your ministry. Don't do it. Sinner. Don't you throw an opportunity away to be saved. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm going to ask a question this morning. Would anybody in the building care enough about your soul? I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to embarrass you. Would you care enough about your soul to say, Brother John, I'm going to make two propositions right here. Brother John, I just ain't 100% sure I'm saved. And I'd like to get it nailed down. Would you just lift your hand up and down real fast? Pray for me, preacher. I, I need assurance of my salvation. Anybody? I see that hand. Anybody else? Maybe there'd be somebody in the building say, Brother John, pray for me. I'm lost and I know it. I do not have the Spirit of Christ in me. Would you please pray for me? Would you lift your hand up and down real fast? Please. I see that hand. Neighbor, you've been prayed for a bunch down through the years. I'm going to ask you one more question. If, and I promised you I wouldn't come to you. Has the Holy Spirit dealt with you about being saved this morning? 
If he has, he'll save you. Won't you just jump up out of your pew and come on down here and get saved this morning? Would you? Just stand up right now. Come on down here and meet me and Brother Will. Brother Will, come on with me right quick, brother. Come on up here. And uh, we're going to stand here in a minute. When we stand, I want you, me and Brother Will's going to be right down here in the front. We're going to ask you to come pray with us. We don't want you to make a false profession. We'll do our best not to let you, but if God's dealt with you today, today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Let's all stand all over the building. If you can get a prayer through, I want you to come pray. If you're saved and you can get a prayer through, I want you to come saved. Come, come talk to God. Nobody looking on the service. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Would you please come and get saved this morning? I'm begging you in Jesus' name. Why don't you just make your way down this altar? Get honest with God and get saved. What are you holding on to? You're going to die and go to hell without God. You ain't got no living you need to do. You ain't got no partying you need to do. You ain't got no sinning you need to do. I talked to a buddy of mine. I used to work with him and trying to get him to God for years. He finally quit drinking. You know what he told me, Brother Will? He said, I've drunk enough. It's time to quit. You've sinned enough, sinner. You've rejected him enough. Would you please come? Would you please just junk whatever, get rid of whatever it is holding you back?